Vroom is the better way to buy and sell used cars. Looking for your next ride? Go to Vroom.com now to shop thousands of cars right from your phone. With Vroom, you never have to haggle or negotiate the price of the car, so you know you're getting a good deal. Best of all, when you buy a car on Vroom, they'll deliver it straight to you. Plus, all cars on Vroom.com come with a 90-day limited warranty and one year of nationwide roadside assistance. You can also sell or trade in your old car, too. When you sell your car on Vroom, you get an instant offer in as little as two minutes. If you decide to sell your car to Vroom, they'll come pick it up free of charge. Sell your car to Vroom or trade it in if you find something you like on Vroom.com. Vroom. It's the better way to buy and sell used cars. So head to Vroom.com now to see what your current ride is worth and check out thousands of cars to find your next one. That's Vroom.com. Vroom.com. The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Border Patrol agents enjoy great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. If you are looking for a way to serve something greater than yourself, consider the United States Border Patrol. Learn more online at cbp.gov careers slash USBP. That's cbp.gov careers slash USBP. Can your Christian faith withstand a Babylonian or Egyptian exile? Well, that's what we're talking about today. Welcome in. This is Religionless Christianity. I'm your host, Spencer. This is my lovely wife, Nikki. Hello. And today we are talking about Christianity in exile. Um, and before we dive into this episode, honey, is there anything you would like to say? Um, I don't know. Did you have any praise report? I thought you said you had something. Um, I guess more prayer requests. Uh, we're kind of working on an interview trying to see if that would be something that would fit into this show. It's a topic I'm very interested in. I'm just trying to make sure that it's something uh, the body of Christ is interested in, not just me, but I do think it'll be beneficial. So we're working on that. Pray for us there. And then um, we are working also to get Dr. James White on this show. (laughs) Kind of a, a Hail Mary, but we're working it. I do have... Uh, a little bit of his ear. So praise God for that. We're working to do that as well. And then um, just as far as prayer requests, I suppose, uh, pray for me and for the guys that I work with. Our training is getting more and more physically demanding. And the older I get, <laughs> the more physically demanding training wears on this uh, at least, you know, old-ish body. <laughs> So definitely need the prayers. And then just also the other guys, you know, I'm not trying to be braggadocious or anything, but I take pretty good care of myself. Most of the guys I'm with don't. So their bodies, I'm sure, are hurting more than mine, and they still need um, strength and endurance and all that sort of stuff to get through it. So just pray for us that our old bodies hold up. So (laughs) that would be great. And um. Just uh, kind of a FYI, I guess, if you've been following us in our Mars Hill review that we do, uh, Mars Hill did come out with a new episode this week, but it was sort of a bonus episode, and I don't think it warrants us to review it because it was 
it wasn't a bad episode per se, but it was kind of a throwaway episode, a filler episode. Um, so just a short synopsis of what it was, I guess, a summary. Basically, it was kind of a, if you're interested in church planning at all, I guess, then it might be an, or an episode that you're interested in because it kind of focused on, or it focused very little on Mark Driscoll and Mars Hill. It was more of an episode focused on uh, this guy named David Nichols who started Spanish River Church in Boca Raton, Florida, and how, you know, his sort of church planning efforts sort of led to Acts 29. Acts 29 is the church planning ministry that Mark Driscoll and Mars Hill were involved in, and that was how Mark Driscoll was loosely connected. You know, they did the obligatory, Mark Driscoll's a bad guy, everybody knew it, you know, sort of thing, but it was very brief. So I don't think it really warrants a full review. Go check it out. It's decent, especially if you're, you know, interested in how sort of uh, getting church planted works. I suppose it's shed some light on that there. Um, the only thing I thought that was interesting in the normal vein of Mars Hill and Mark Driscoll is there's some of the guys that were from the Spanish River um, church planning organization or whatever it was. And they're talking about how in Acts 29 and they're doing these sort of conferences and Mark Driscoll comes in, who's a young Mark Driscoll. And he's sort of talking to this crowd of fairly seasoned um, church planners. And I think Tim Keller was there and these sorts of people. And, you know, Mark Driscoll is being Mark Driscoll, you know, bombastic and telling them all the sort of over-the-top stories that they always allude to as being lies, though it's never really confirmed. They're like, yeah, he says he reads a book a day. Oh, yeah, you know, they and, brought uh, the book again. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's never really been, as far as I know, solidly de denounced, I guess. But So they kind of talk about that thing. But the interesting thing is one of the guys, and I can't remember his name, he says in there, like, yeah, you know, we kind of knew when we were talking amongst each other that, like, this Mark Driscoll dude is... He's kind of out there, uh, his ego, you know, he could be a problem, but they were like, we still invested in him. And I was like, man, this has been like so many opportunities to sort of help Mark Driscoll not go over the deep end. And again, it's his sin. We always have to say that because people always come back and say, mm -hmm. you know, you're letting Mark Driscoll off the hook. We're not, it's his sin. But like all these people, like, ah, we knew he had all these problems that we could see but man, he was super talented, so we just dove in anyways. And you're like, ugh, that's not a good look. So uh, you just go give it a listen if yeah, you're interested. It's not on their part. But it wasn't really a super fascinating episode. So we're just going to skip that one for the week and wait for the <laughs> next episode. Apparently, they only have two left, so hopefully they're oh, good. Wow. They um, so this is a topic that we've kind of wanted to talk about for some time, this Christianity in Exile. And we've sort of beaten around the bush a lot, you know, on the other episodes that we've talked about, but never really focused specifically on this. But sort of this week um, on TikTok, if you follow me on TikTok or me and Nikki on TikTok, um, and you should because we do really good daily devotionals that are less than three minutes. They're really good. <laughs> I think they're short. pretty good. Um, <laughs> you know, whatever. It's just a quick word. Um, all, you know, mostly from the Bible, 99% of the time. And this week, you know, we kind of started moving. I have been going through Genesis. Nikki um, 
when she does hers, kind of does what she's reading for the day. I've been working my way slowly through Genesis, and you know, we're on Genesis 39, which is talking about Joseph. And you know, I thought kind of a fascinating look to start talking about Joseph and how you know he obviously gets sold by his brothers into Egypt, and he's sort of a Christian in exile. Um, or not a Christian, I'm sorry, he's a Jew in exile. Um, but, you know, his faith stays strong through all the trials that he goes through, and there are a lot of them. Uh, but his faith stays strong, and I was like, you know, then started thinking, you know, obviously Daniel in Babylon, and, you know, uh, who is it? It's uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, you know, their faith stays strong. And uh, that just got us thinking, like, we needed to talk about mm-hmm. this Christianity in exile. I know, because everybody knows those stories, and they, you know, everybody says, that, and they think they'll withstand even unto death, that they'll be just like Daniel, and I don't, think so. I don't know, they went through some really serious, I mean, their lives <laughs> were in danger, so, I don't know, it seems like it's coming to that time where, I don't know, things are ramping up in our country and i don't know you think about it more often yeah because the thing is like we're not trying to talk about the fact that we're going to be you know overtaken by china and moved into exile um you know we're not getting captured and taken into a foreign land or anything no not into a foreign um, land so it's not exactly like what the israelites went through but i think in our case you know where the israelites you know they were overtaken by babylon right and uh, taken back to Babylon as you know, basically slaves and captured, and then you know the Egypt, uh, the Israelites in Egypt, a little bit different of a case there. They had gone to Egypt basically um, to be rescued from, I think it was like the famine. Yeah. And you know, once they were there, it says down in um, uh, is Exodus one, chapter eight through or. Exodus chapter 1, verses 8 through 14, it says, Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them, or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor, and they built Pithom and Ramses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor and brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. In all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. So Israelites in Egypt was a slightly different case. They went there to be rescued, and it was great until a new king showed up and was like, uh, why are we letting the Israelites do all this? Like, we're about to oppress them and then turn them into slaves. So we may be more in that Israelite in Egypt camp. I don't know. I feel like they they had no hope at all. Like, what were they looking to as their way out? And, like, I feel like we can look to kind of a way out because, you know, our country was founded on certain principles, godly principles, and it's like we still have that constitution to kind of, you know, it's still there. 
but it seems like still it's being there. trampled as a thing, and nobody seems to care about it anymore, but it's still there. Right. <laughs> and that's where we kind of get this Christianity in exile, because, you know, where Israel was captured or, you know, whatever, Pharaoh turned the tides, we have elected Pharaoh, and we elect Nebuchadnezzar yeah. in this country, and we've elected them to oppress us to the point where we are today, where we live in a largely godless country. I mean, yeah, we still have the Constitution, and you still see remnants of it. And at times, people like to speak up, and usually they only reference the Constitution when it fits whatever they want to do. Um, you know, they don't really stand for the Constitution and change their wants and desires to fit the Constitution. They just do what they want, and then they can be like, oh, look, the Constitution helps me here. Um, let's just, you know, talk about it or whatever. So it's not something that really, I think people think about all the time. Um, no, they don't. But I mean, the Israelites really, they could have all come together and taken over. And we know we, the people in America can all come together and have our way. <laughs> we could. And that's what's <laughs> shameful about it because we've elected Nebuchadnezzar and we've elected Pharaoh to be in charge of us. And, you know, so we, we basically allowed ourselves to be exiled in our own land. Yeah. And that's where this whole, is your faith going to be strong enough to withstand it? Because as we've talked about, you know, and we're beating around the bush on this topic for, you know, a lot of episodes, a lot of Christians, their faith hasn't withstood exile um, because you know, when these people were exiled into Babylon and stuff, it was pagan gods and, um, you know, anti-Israel culture, like in every way, right? And the Daniels and the Josephs, their faith remained what it was yeah. in spite of all the, the outside pressure. I mean, obviously with Daniel, um, you know, in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and I took down here— um, just because I, I want to be in Scripture as much as we can, and in case you're unfamiliar with the story or it's been a little while, Daniel um, chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, it says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, mm -hmm. king of Judah, um, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it, and the Lord deliver, delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple, these he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put the treasure or put in the treasure house of his God. So that was them getting taken into captivity. And then you move down into chapter one, verse eight through 10. And it says, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief officials for permission not to defile himself this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my Lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Um, mm. So, you know, that's Daniel obviously showing himself faithful and true. Um, to his faith. Mm -hmm. And obviously, as you understand the story, it plays out. Daniel didn't look worse. He actually looked better. Right. Um, but mm -hmm. a lot of Christians today, I mean, and that was a TikTok we did, you know, there's this 
health, wealth, and prosperity gospel, right? Which is a false gospel in a lot of sense or in a lot of ways. And Christians gave up their heritage, you know, of traditional Christianity for that doctrine uh, because it made them feel better. And, you know, Daniel could have very easily been like, ooh, this captivity ain't going to be so bad. I got all this great food, I got all this wine. Right. He could have looked at all that as God blessing him by yeah. allowing him to no, be there and faithful. partake of their their blessings, which were really all just steeped in pagan And that's pagan America. Ways. Yeah. You know, as we've gotten more worldly and materialistic, and we feel blessed in that way, the church has been like, yes, yes, look at all these blessings that God has, money and favor and all these sorts of things. When traditional Christianity, that was not what they worship God for. Um, so right. we've largely bought into that um, pagan sort of secular anti-Christ or other than Christ gospel. And um, so I think a lot of Christians in that respect, they fell away. Their, their faith has not withstood that exile. Um, we forget that God does not give as the world gives. He doesn't give to please our fleshly desires. And we forget that. I mean, we can thank God for good things, but we're not seeking the gifts that God really has for us. We're still ignoring that. We're ignoring the denial of our flesh in order to receive spiritual gifts and be refined through trials and tribulation that are they're good for us in a sense oh yeah i mean i mean definitely persecution is the name of christianity basically and um you know that was something that we had talked about on the tiktok you know with um these prosperity gospels and stuff where you're constantly told like you know your breakthroughs right around the corner your blessing i thought like that does not line up you know when you read genesis 39 you know, it talks about Joseph, the Lord was with him and showed him steadfast love. Then he remained a slave, a servant. Mm -hmm. And then Joseph has even worse things happen to him. And he gets thrown in prison. And it says the Lord was with him, you know, showed him love and favor or whatever. And he stayed in prison. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't like, oh, well, God showed up and then his blessing came and he broke out and he was put in charge and everyone got what they deserved. No, it was like, yeah, your circumstances really haven't changed, but God is with yeah. you. And I think that's a message we've lost. And this is a mm -hmm. quote from St. Augustine that I've talked before, but I read it years ago from, it's from the City of God. Um, I'll have this link down in the show notes. I think it's up on the website if you want to go read it. Uh, it's so heavy. <laughs> I've never really been able to get through it. But this quote always stuck out to me because I thought, man, this is anti-2021 American Christianity. And, you know, another thing that we see a lot in the Christian world is like this social justice, fairness and equality doctrine that's sort of taken over the church. You see this a lot, you know. Um, and in this quote here from St. Augustine, he says, again, it is complained. Many Christians have been led into captivity so they're complaining to St. Augustine, like, oh, well, what about all the Christians that are in captivity and slaves and all this stuff? And he says, this would be lamentable indeed if they had been led to a place where they could not find their God. Mm -hmm. 
But Holy Scripture gives us instances of great consolation bestowed even in such calamity. So he's basically saying like, yeah, man, slavery would be a really awful spot to be if you couldn't worship God. But if you can worship God, mm. eh, yeah, it's unpleasant, sure. Yeah. But it's not that bad. And I thought, man, that is not, um, like, how many Christians would you feel like the Lord is close to you when you're being oppressed? I mean, yeah, for us two white people, what if the minorities took over power in this country and they were the majority, we became a minority? Would you still be like, okay, well, God's still here with me. Or would you be like, oh, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. Right. You know, and hmm. I feel hmm. like you should, you know, and that was what African-Americans used to be yeah. when they were in slavery and breaking out. And, you know, they had faith. They were a faithful background in, or backbone in this country. That's and honestly, true. as they've gained more civil freedoms, their faith has waned. And hmm. I mean, again, don't take my word for it. Go listen to Jason Whitlock, um, a black man, Christian man, talk about it. As they've gained more of their freedom, they've become far more secular, and that, you know, yeah. soulful Christianity the has thing died. That's always constant throughout scriptures, as I've, I've been reading Acts, because we know in the Old Testament, you know, when people get, when they got comfortable, is when they fell away from the Lord. That's always happened. And and I'm reading Acts, and I'm wondering, like, where is their, what's their joy coming from? How are these people able to um, keep living in this time where Christians are being persecuted, and people, they hate, they hate the gospel. There's people who believe it, but they know they're going to be persecuted, and the thing that brings them joy is hearing of other people believing the gospel. Like, there's nothing else going on that brings them joy is hearing, oh, that person I preach the gospel to or that church is continuing in the faith. Like it has nothing in there about the things that we think are blessings from God. And it just, it just struck me thinking, yeah, they were in the middle of persecution and they had joy just from knowing the gospel is being spread. And yeah. that helped them continue, and and they just check up on each other, and they were writing letters to the churches and just encouraging one another. And I'm like, what if that's all we had? Like, what if God didn't do anything else for us but just we just had each other and our fellowship enough. in the Spirit? Like, I mean, it used to be enough, you know, and it's funny because we always talk about, like, well, in the early church and, you know, but this, we somehow think that that isn't for us today that somehow we've moved past you know that community where they brought all they had and they yeah, took care of each other they and they lived together and we're they didn't like, have oh. to pray for god to meet their needs because the body of christ is going to care for the body of christ like you are his body why would you neglect well i think too there you can see where we've sort of given into this pagan anti-christ where we don't really, in this country, we don't need to take care of each other's needs because Uncle Sam does that. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want to take care of more people's needs, we'll elect the right politician. He'll tax us more and he'll take care of their needs. Yeah. So we don't need to, right? I mean, you don't need to help take care of the, the poor. And this isn't every Christian, obviously. We still do that to some extent, but it's not, I don't think, a burden that's placed on our heart like it should be. Um, 
And yeah. the thing is, like, persecution is coming, um, whether it's in our lifetime or not. I mean, it certainly seems like it's coming in our lifetime. I mean, for God's sakes, if you were living in Australia right now, you'd be like, holy cow. And mm-hmm. I thought about this even, too, because somebody on TikTok reached out to us when we did this message uh, or did this devotion. And he said, uh, will, will we still see uh, or will, will we still love God when we are being stuffed into buses to await execution at FEMA camps? Uh, a little maybe dramatic there. But I think that sort of highlights, you know, will you still love God? Will you still think he's there with you? Is he close to you? Um, I don't know, you might not if you believed the gospel that that God will give you the world. Pretty much what Satan tempted Jesus with, bow down and I'll give you all this. And that's why it's not a real gospel. Like, it can't just be a gospel of good news when, like, God is helping you and benefiting you in some way because um, that's just not always the case. Um, you know, God cares more about your heart than your circumstances. Mm-hmm. It's always been that way. Um, and, you know, our forefathers knew that, you know, I responded to that guy on TikTok that like, I pray that we'll have the faith of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. That's who we've named this show after. And his faith led him to walk up to a noose peacefully and get hung for his faith in a Nazi prison camp. Uh and he never wrote that God had left him. He right. felt closer to God. His greatest mm. writings came when he was in prison camps, you know, expecting his death, basically. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I just think as we start moving further and further into this exile, and I don't think it's anything new, you know, we're obviously, as we get older and grow, it seems more relevant to us but it's obviously been around for a long time i think we need to hear more of these stories from history where people calmly peacefully went to their death for preaching the gospel i mean how many are there really how many stories are there of people martyred for their faith even going on today hundreds thousands yeah and that's something honestly and shout out to our pastor because he does that every sermon or every service, when he opens the service in prayer, he tells us to pause, to remember um, the Christians that are being persecuted and imprisoned around the world like we were there with them. Mm-hmm. You know, it gives you a second to stop and pray for their strength and encouragement and stuff. And um, yeah, we just have to, we got to get past this believing and living the religion of the secular pagan world that we live in. Um, And we have to get back to the biblical Christianity, the Christianity of our forefathers. Like, that's not antiquated Christianity. The thing is, there's nothing new under the sun. There's Mm -hmm. been no New Testament written. There's been no other gospel presented to us. So that means it hasn't changed. Like, Mm -hmm. because that was how we wanted to end this is, so what do we do, right? Um, If we're Christians in exile today, like, what do we do? so I don't know if you want to touch on anything here as we end on this. Like, what do we do as Christians in exile that want to stay steadfast, like Jacob, like Daniel? Well, I think we're just so used to living among, you know, the Egyptians, you could say. And we've enjoyed the fruits of their labor. We've enjoyed their services. 
their entertainment. Um, I mean, we've lived together. We were kind of one with them in a sense. And but the I don't know the way of life we enjoy uh, has a lot to do with their kingdom, not ours. Like we're too familiar with it; it's too comfortable. But really, their kingdom is the the world, or it really is Satan's kingdom. So how do you walk the straight and narrow when we are steeped in this, you know, Egyptian culture, really? How do we be in it and not get sucked into uh, the culture completely? You know, we, we live with one foot in the world and one foot in, in God's kingdom. And we're not, I mean, we're supposed to be called out. And, but how much do you want to come out of it is the question like is it okay to stay in a little like we need to talk about like the little ways that we're in the world the little i don't know and this is why we you know just a few episodes ago talked about our halloween episode yeah why we are choosing not to celebrate halloween like we're trying to pull back like if it doesn't glorify god in some way right then you gotta you gotta cut it off um and that could be a job you have. It could be friends you have. It could be, you know, uh, things that you do in your normal life mm-hmm. that don't glorify God anymore. And, you know, when I was thinking about, like, so what do we do as Christians in exile? And as I said, there's, no, there's nothing new under the sun. There's no new word being given to us. Right. Is, it's what we've always been told to do. So I pulled up uh, Jeremiah 4, 1. You know, and Jeremiah obviously prophesied about the... Israelites being uh, exiled to Babylon as punishment for their um, unbelief and their um, unfaithfulness. And he says, if you return, O Israel, declares the Lord, to me you should return. If you remove your detestable things from my presence and do not waver, and if you swear, as the Lord lives in truth and truth, in justice and in righteousness, then nations shall bless themselves in him, and in him shall they glory. So I was like, it, and it's not the message anybody wants to hear, mm. because it's the message we always hear that we need to hear that's just difficult. Return to God. Return back yeah. to biblical what sound does it doctrine. Mean to return to God. Like people have their own idea of what, who God is. You know, well, the only way to know for sure is to get in your Bible. And again, we've talked about numbers on this of people that actually read their Bible. Mm-hmm. That's where it starts. Um, yeah. If you want to hear from God, you've got to open God's word because that's how he speaks to us. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, you know, some. He tells you how to be set prophet. apart. It's not yeah. some new word. It's the same word that's always been given to us. And the only way you get it is by opening it up, reading it. And then. If you're not, and again, we looked at the numbers of people that go to church regularly. If you're not involved with the body of Christ on Mm -hmm. a regular basis, you're going to be pulled away. Satan is too smart, too crafty for you to think, I can be a Christian out here on an island in this pagan land, in this godless world, and I'm going to be the one that stands firm. That's just not true. You have to be with brothers and sisters that can strengthen you. Um. I think those are the first two ways. And again, it's not the truth anybody wants to hear, but it's what you need to hear. It's what mm-hmm. we need to do. You need to do. Um, yeah, it's just getting back to his word. Because again, we have to think of all these other countries that it's illegal to even own his word. 
and we definitely take this freedom we still have for granted. So, I mean, while we can, we need to be studying his word. We need to get yeah. together with other believers and study together. Like, I'm excited. I met another soccer mom who's just as passionate about studying God's word as I am, maybe more so, hopefully, just someone um, local to get together with and pray with and who's really wanting to learn and how to navigate in these end times. And it was kind of cool just to randomly meet someone else. I guess that could be my praise report I should have (laughs) opened with. But, yeah, um, I think we really need to be together. Like you said, you can't be alone. I know I didn't put it in here, but it's in uh, Ecclesiastes 4, I believe 9 through 12, where it talks about, um, you know, a cord of three strands isn't easily broken, meaning, you know, we need to stick together. If, you know, if one falls down and no one's there to pick them up, like, woe to that person. Um, yeah, so don't boast that you can be a Christian on your own and just because the church has hurt you or they're hypocrites, go. I mean, be, if you think you've got the truth and they don't, why don't you go? and teach them the truth, and pray about it. God will prepare the way. There's going to be people in church who who are going to listen to you. God, if, if you're praying about it, God's going to make it happen. There's His sheep are everywhere. They're scattered everywhere. Don't forget that. So. Yeah, so uh, do that. You know, if your Christian walk doesn't lead you to look different than this world, um, then I don't think you're walking as closely to Christ as you should be. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, and even if you are Christian and your life hasn't looked dramatically different from when you became a Christian, then I don't think you're walking um, that yeah. closely to him because that's the idea of sanctification. You should be looking different and looking less like the world and more like Christ as right. your walk continues. And compare so, yourself to your old self Right. And to Christ, really, we have to try not to compare ourselves to other Christians because I know my walk. It was slow, and I went backwards for a while, and I doubted my salvation, which, you know, I did believe false, you know, prosperity gospel, so I don't know. All I know now is I'm saved. I finally see fruit, and the only thing, the main thing that's different is my desire is to please God, and before it really wasn't that way. I know my heart has changed, but I wanted to bring up this verse, which I didn't write it down, but it's in Acts, just about the narrow way. It might have been Paul who said this, but you can Google this and find the verse, and we'll find it and put it up. We'll have it on the screen if we can find it. You know, when they're preaching the gospel in Acts, he says, we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. Like, he knows that's the only way to enter is through tribulations, and I think welcome the tribulations when they come because through those you're you're walking the narrow way but his word is a light to your path in those dark times so hold his word close to you as you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death really absolutely so um we live in an exiled land don't look like the citizens of this land you need to look like the citizens of the city of god and um, strive every day to, uh, yeah, look less like this exiled land and more like 
the residents of the city of God, and I think you'll be all right. Just so. taking it day by day. Just think day by day. Every day has enough, um, whatever Lord said, each day has enough trouble of its, trouble own, of its own and worry of its own. So we have to take it day by day. That's all we can do. All we can do. So that's all we got for you guys today. Um, please come back on Saturday. We'll have some news to talk with you guys about. And uh, then maybe there'll be some better Mars Hill next week. But that's all we got. Love you guys. God bless.